0: So unhealthy masculinity tends to keep men posturing and feeling like they have to win at all costs and they can never ask for help, that they always have to have the answers, they can never be wrong and never let anyone doubt them. Never ever show weakness. And that leads us to create more division and focus on what separates us because we're afraid that if I listen and understand what matters to you, that means I accept it and that means I'm weak.
1: In this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Christopher Veal, a father, veteran, and entrepreneur with a passion to help every man live their best life through embracing vulnerability. We'll hear the lessons Christopher learned in the military and on construction sites that led him to see the power of vulnerability. We'll then follow Christopher's journey that led him to the TEDx stage and his new book, The Whole Man. Check out the show. Welcome to the creator community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,300 published authors on six continents and has earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. Magazine 5,000 list. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. This is episode seven of season four. And today I have with me, Christopher Veal. Christopher is a former Marine officer, combat veteran, and a Black man with 25 years of experience in talent and leadership development. He hosts the Vulnerable Man podcast, is a TEDx speaker, and an executive coach and leadership consultant. Veal works with leaders to leverage vulnerability to create a deeper connection between themselves and those under their charge, which yields greater influence and impact. Veal continues to learn how to be more vulnerable himself, finding inspiration in his amazing daughter. Some days he admittedly does better than others, into leaning into being vulnerable. But he aims to improve with every interaction he has with others. Christopher, great to see you. Welcome to the show. John, very glad to be here, and looking forward to being in this conversation with you. The pleasure is all mine. You know, you've got a really uh, interesting background. The journey you've been on, Chris. Can we dig into that a little bit more? Just a little bit of a different background, absolutely. <laughs> After
0: college, yeah. I spent nine years as an infantry officer in the Marines and learned a lot about myself and especially my passion for leadership while I was in it. After I got out of the Marine Corps, I ended up going into the construction industry, which was a job that fit my skills, but I say didn't feed my soul. And as a result, I knew it wasn't the work that I was supposed to be doing. Because I'm a lifelong learner, I decided to go back to school and I got a master's in organizational leadership. And that was really foundational for me because it got me into the organizational development and learning and development work, which I really knew was where I needed to be and wanted to be. That's what I was really passionate about. While I was doing it, two of my professors that were leading my program introduced themselves as coaches. And I asked them, I got curious. I said, well, what is a coach? And when they explained it, I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. I think I've been doing that kind of stuff my whole life and I could actually get paid for it. And I said, well, yeah, you can. And so after I got my degree, I spent most of the next decade doing organizational development work in a number of organizations across a lot of industries and got to meet some amazing people and work with some amazing leaders. But the thread that carried through all of it was coaching. So about nine years ago, I got my training and certification as a coach, and I've been doing executive coaching and leadership consulting ever since. And recently in the last couple of years, I've also added doing more keynotes and building workshops for some of my clients as well. And that's the work that's just, brought out the best in me and really been a catalyst for the work that I'm doing here with this book too.
1: What a journey going from these very traditionally structured environments, macho environments, right? The yes. Marines, the construction industry. I'm curious, as you went through that organizational leadership, I'm curious what were some of the uh, things that were sort of eye-opening for you as you went through that journey and thought about your military background, construction background, and now sort of this academic approach. What stood out to you there? What'd you learn? One, yeah, There's probably a lot that I've learned, but one of the the
0: biggest lessons was in the military and even in construction, there's usually an answer. There's one way to do it, and it's all about get it done, focus on the mission or complete what you need to get done. And in life, it doesn't always work that way. And especially when I started to get into coaching further, what I realized is sometimes I could be of more service by not coming and giving answers. Taking time to just stop and listen more deeply to help other people find their answers. And usually it ended up being a much more powerful answer than anything I could do. The example I use is I don't often like people telling me what to do. So why would I go around telling other people what to do? Because it's probably not going to be the best answer
1: for them. Right. Empowering your people. I, That's I have a crazy a, concept. I went through some great coaching a number of years ago and on my computer screen to this day, and I've had it there probably 10 years, I've had to actually trade it out because the sticky runs out in this little <laughs> sticky note. It says, why, what, how? And I learned that from a coach about probably 10 years ago. And I found I, I was leading a remote team on Wall Street for many years. I would literally get on calls and, and say to myself, my goal for the call was don't tell them anything. Right. And oftentimes those calls ended with the most amazing results because they'd come up with the idea and they take ownership of it right, and then run with it. That is awesome. So Christopher, how did all this work land you on the TEDx stage? How did that happen? That was also partially because of my coach. So several years ago
0: i had decided i was going to set this big audacious goal for myself to be selected to give a ted talk and the moment i first spoke it as soon as the words were out of my mouth it was like they were in a cartoon bubble and i wanted to grab them back (laughs) but it was also because a part of me was afraid to just dream that big and fast forward a couple years of doing a lot of work and chasing applications around the globe actually i got selected to do a ted talk ironically About a month before the event was supposed to happen, I got a message from the organizers and said, we've actually decided not to include you in the talk because your topic is a social issue and our board really wants to focus on professional. And uh, I was like, okay. And so I had my pity party for a short while. (laughs) And then I, well, maybe a little longer than I meant. And what I realized is, okay, so this is the universe testing me and saying, do I really want to do this? Because what I realized is I had achieved my goal, which was to be selected to do a TED Talk. So I guarantee you the next goal was to actually give my TED Talk and continued pursuing that. And then in May of 2017, I stepped on the red dot in Bend, Oregon, and gave my speech in probably in front of about 1,000 or 1,200 people. And it was an amazing experience.
1: I can't imagine. What was the title of that one?
0: Deeper Connection, Better World. Ironically,
1: there's some themes that are in that talk that are also in the book. I have no doubt about it. So (laughs) this incredible journey from the military to construction, to lifelong learning, to learning about yourself, getting on the TED stage, how did all this lead you up to getting into a book? Yes. I figured you might ask that. (laughs) For me, in the back of my mind, for probably the last
0: four or five years, I've had this idea of a book that I wanted to write. In 2015, I did a leadership program and when I came out of it, I had this leader quest where I wanted to start to expand the conversation for men around vulnerability. Because when I look back at where I had been and the experience I'd had, I realized I didn't know how, what my what my relationship was with vulnerability. So I was talking with a colleague of mine about a year ago, and he had written a book and was in the process of writing his next book. And as I shared with him that I had this idea of a book I wanted to write, he said, I have got the thing for you. You need to check out Creator Institute so, of course, I did my due diligence and jumped on and started to search and was really impressed by what I saw. But what sealed the deal for me is Eric Kester took time to talk with me. When I shared my idea, he kind of helped connect the dots for me of how the program could support me in it. And that was all she wrote. No pun intended. One of the things that I loved about the program is that it had a structure that helped me discover my own writing style i thought beforehand and there was a lot of mystery about writing a book that i had to write complete chapters at once and to me that was intimidating and wasn't my writing style and because of the program the way it's set up it helps you find your way into it and then creates a pacing and a system for you to really help keep on it and that's a thing that i love because i know the accountability is what helped me get the book written there was support along the way throughout and there really were two key elements for me that that were game changers. The first was my developmental editor, Jesse. I've got to give a shout out to him. And Jesse was great because he helped me just take all these disparate ideas that I had and start to bring them together and figure out how can they fit and start to create this narrative of the book that I want. After that, I got my green light for Publishing. And then I have my marketing revisions editor, who is Chuck, and he is amazing as well, and has helped me then gone through and revise the book and really fine-tune it so that it would now have a greater appeal to a, a larger audience. And it's been amazing. I know without those two individuals, the support of the developmental editor and the marketing revisions editor, I don't know that I would have had the book completed. And so I have to give huge props to the Creator Institute. And to New Degree Press, I've recommended it to probably dozens of people since. And I know at least three authors, probably four that are currently doing the program. So that speaks to the quality of the program.
1: Well, I really appreciate hearing that and you know, this sort of journey here, right? Meeting Eric, getting a bit of a fine tune of what your idea looks like, but then leveraging the coaching and the support to yes. fine tune and make, make the journey your own, right? Because right. all of us have other things going on. And we've got to kind of find our style. And I know that's very much encouraged throughout the program. You know, are you are you an episodic writer or a deadline writer? Right. You know, or just you want to write consistently every day or eight hours at a clip. And yeah. it, it's great that it affords you that luxury. And having those partners, especially the editors, I know mine, my development letter talked me off the ledge more than once <laughs> as I was ready to just throw my book in the garbage can.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't know what back. that's like right. at all. I can't relate to that.
1: No. <laughs> you brought me back. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So Christopher, you know, the whole man, what's this book about?
0: Yes. The whole man looks at what holds men in unhealthy masculinity in the 21st century. And also what keeps us as men from feeling safe in embracing greater vulnerability in our lives. In it, I explore some of the outdated constructs and views around being a man that keep us closed off from our emotions. And ultimately it helps bring a message that we need to evolve how we hold masculinity and in that, we need to keep the parts of masculinity that still serve, but be open to expanding how we define what it means to be a man and do that by shifting from a mindset of this either or type of thinking and move more towards that of both and.
1: Incredible. When you think about this book and this powerful message you have about vulnerability, which so often we see many times as a weakness, right? And as mm-hmm. you know, I might argue, and I think your message is that it's a strength, <clears throat> a strength. you know, You had to have a big push to get this thing done and fit it into your life. You know, Christopher, what was your mission? What was your why to get this book off the ground?
0: Yes, as I reflected on the portrayals of men that I had witnessed growing up or in my professional careers, also including the fact that I grew up without a father, I looked at the things and the examples I saw of men and masculinity in society and in pop culture. Looking also at my time in the Marine Corps and construction, what I started to recognize was that While I could relate in a number of those ways, I still felt incomplete and not really fully myself in in some situations. In 2016, I began interviewing men around the subject of vulnerability because I was curious if there were other men feeling some of the same things, that same wondering, and if they were feeling like they had to shut off parts of themselves in different areas of their lives. As I spoke with more men, I began to see that... um, The only way that we were going to break this cycle of unhealthy masculinity and change a narrative was to start calling out our views of masculinity and the way that it was portrayed in society and the ways we were being role models and ultimately we have to work together to be able to evolve how we hold masculinity
1: fascinating to me that you had this discovery having grown up without a father right that's really interesting that you know how do you think you I mean, it was so it was role models elsewhere in your life in the military and your career that helped you kind of discover this? Is that where it came from?
0: I think so. I mean, a lot of it, uh, I was influenced by by TV and movies growing up as a kid. You know, I, I thought as I was writing the book, I started to think back what were some of the examples I saw? I had some male role models in my life. My grandfather, who I love very much and I knew loved me, emigrated to Canada from England. So you know, very stereotypically English, stiff upper lip and all that. Good chap. And I think the only time I ever saw him cry was when my grandmother died. And that's not a criticism of him in any way. As a matter of fact, a lot of the men I talk to have similar stories about their fathers or other men in their life, because those men were operating off of the examples they'd seen. And so I naturally started to look at what am I seeing in the world around me in popular culture, in my life, in men that I interact with. And there tended to be a very limited way that we as men should express ourselves or be a man quote unquote and i love using the air quotes on that and so that's really what had me think okay i need to fall in line with these to be a man but as i got older i realized i don't always relate to all of that and so how can i find my way to myself but still you know honor what it means to me to be a man and so that's part of what drove things for
1: me wow and so the You know, we have all these sort of examples in our lives as men of movies, medias, or these typical examples you might see that cause us, encourage us to be closed off from our emotions. So is it nature? Is it nurture? Or is it something else you think? What causes men to be so closed off? I honestly believe it's nurturing. I
0: think we are naturally, we're all humans. And so we are emotional creatures. But I think there's two main influences, as you started to mention. The first is the role models that young boys get. And it's the men in their lives. And if we look back even a generation or two ago, the way that men were portrayed was very different. You think of like the Mad Men era, you know, (laughs) dad would go off to work on the way home. He'd stop by the bar and have a few drinks and then come home and mom would have dinner made and the house clean and the cooks and the kids ready and everything. And so it created this idea of men were kind of separate from the caretaking and other things like that. And again, it's not a fault to those men because that's what they often saw. And we know that with the men that I'm talking to, a lot more men feel this need to be in touch with their emotions more or want to be able to express them and feel, most importantly, feel psychologically safe to do so. The other big one that we've already mentioned is society and the media. Again, it, they tend to show very narrow examples of what real men are. The example I like to use is you think of you know one of your favorite action movies, the hero rarely ever shows weakness and and almost never shows emotion and maybe when his mentor or his sidekick gets killed he sheds a single tear and then quickly wipes it away and then goes on and single-handedly kills all the bad guys and wins the day back to the battlefield <laughs> right exactly and so the message that boys sometimes get when they see that is okay I have to be strong I can't show emotion and you know what I can't let anything bother me so I just got to keep driving the other flip the flip side to it is if you sometimes see men portrayed as sensitive or more in touch with their feelings, they tend to be the comic sidekick or the buddy to the main character. And so the other unspoken message that gets broadcast, and that is, if you're that kind of guy, you're not the main thing. You're there for comic relief or to support, but you're not really the one that people want and need. The other example i like to use sometimes is you look at a lot of romance-type movies, and it's not knocking them in any way, but the girl chases the bad guy, and when the bad guy breaks her heart, she goes and leans on the shoulder and cries for the nice guy, who's the one that's in touch with his feelings and sensitive and caring, but she can't see that. So she goes back after the bad boy. So as young men in our early developmental stages, we see, oh, it's the tough guy that gets the girl. So I don't want to be that other guy because that's not going to work
1: for me. All these different influences that we have in the right, all these images you're talking about are sort of put in front of our face over and over again as we right. grow up. And, and here we have- all this negative, you know, unhealthy masculinity out there floating around, you know, what would you say, Christopher, is the impact of that unhealthy masculinity on society? That's a, that's a lot. And yeah, I don't know how much time we got, but we (laughs) could be here
0: for days. I think some of the biggest things I see most recently is a lot of the toxic masculinity that has been coming to the forefront in the last several years. And especially as it's resulted in the Me Too movement, it, that is one of the ways that unhealthy masculinity manifests. And it hurts all of us. The other thing I see that's really relevant today is in politics. So unhealthy masculinity tends to keep men posturing and feeling like they have to win at all costs and they can never ask for help, that they always have to have the answers. They can never be wrong and never let anyone doubt them. Never, ever show weakness. And that leads us to create more division and focus on what separates us. Because we're afraid that if I listen and understand what matters to you, that means I accept it and that means I'm weak. And that's not going to help us. What we need to really do is be able to move into an honest dialogue focused on understanding one another. And understanding does not mean acceptance. Instead, when we don't, it keeps us working at tearing each other down. And that's just not going to move us to where we need to go.
1: A lot of pieces to the puzzle there and fascinating to think about how this is having such a broad impact across so many aspects of our lives. So there's, there's this unhealthy masculinity, you know, Mm -hmm. what is healthy masculinity? What does that look like? It's kind of the opposite of all of that stuff,
0: but healthy masculinity is about being able to be open, to show vulnerability, to feel safe, showing emotions, willingness to say, I don't have the answers. I need help. And for other men to hear men saying that, and then not make them wrong for it and to support each other in it. And I know I'm speaking to men because that's primarily who this book is written for. And it also involves everyone. You know, we as men need to start having this dialogue more and and talking about vulnerability and openness and our emotions so that we can better be in relationship with ourselves and ultimately be in better relationships
1: with the people in our world. What a powerful statement. If we can have better relationships with ourselves, we can have better relationships with those around us, our children, our spouses, our friends, family, what have you. So- if I'm in this unhealthy masculine cycle in my life, maybe I'm gaining some awareness around it. Maybe I know, maybe I don't know. But if I'm thinking about making a change, Christopher, you know, how, what does it mean or how do I evolve it? Yes. To me,
0: I specifically chose the word evolve in this because there are some good qualities about being a man. And what I believe is when you look at nature... When species evolve, it helps them survive in differing, different environments and changing environments. And we are constantly, as humans, in a changing environment. So again, while there are things that we need to work on as men, there are some good qualities we have. And what I, what I don't want is I don't want to say we've got to throw out everything that it means to be a man. We want to keep some of the parts that still serve. And then what we need to do is look at how do we expand the definition of what it means to be a man and make it more inclusive. Because if it's just one narrow, I've got to be this type or this this alpha male is the only way to be a man, it really limits who we can be. And there's a lot of men that don't relate to it. Not every guy loves sports. and And some of the things that we typically say it means to be a man. And so how do we leave space for all of that as well without them feeling like an outcast or an outsider as a result? A and thing. part of it also includes expanding the definition to include those qualities that we need for future challenges that we're facing in society.
1: So thinking about a lot of inclusion here, having broad definitions, not pigeonholing anybody, right? Because there's this concept of, we've talked right about masculine energies so far, but there's the opposite of that, this feminine energy idea. And we're not talking about men or women here, right? But it's different energies we bring to the table. Can you share a little bit about the difference between those two?
0: Absolutely. And I talk about it in the book. So for me, masculine and feminine energy are separate from the idea of being a man or being a woman and we all have access to all of it and that was one of the things that got me thinking about this book as well because being raised by a single mother there are some qualities that i know i have that tie closely to what we would put in the feminine energy type of space and so what i also want to be able to normalize is that men can access both of these just like women can access both of these and it doesn't change who we are so just because I have a body that identifies as male does not mean that I automatically embody all the masculine energy traits and that I don't embody any of the female ones. And that's part of what I want to point out too, is we can tap into both of them. And it's actually needed for us because we are not just separate people. We are
1: whole people. There's these two energies out there and it's finding this balance between the two is, is maybe what I'm hearing. So thinking about that. Why is, you know, why is this important for people that don't identify a man to think about evolving their masculinity? What do you think? What's the value there?
0: The, the bottom line is we all influence the narrative of how we define what it means to be a man, whether consciously or unconsciously, we're all reinforcing healthy or unhealthy masculinity. For somebody that doesn't identify as a man, you've likely got a man in your life in some capacity, whether it's a son or a brother, a father, a husband, a partner, a coworker, the list goes on. As a result, we all need to be in the conversation together in order to be able to bring about meaningful and lasting change, and most importantly, to be able to show the next generation of men how they can live a more healthy version of masculinity. Because if we continue to just reinforce the narrative that leaves them limited and unhealthy, we're never going to grow and evolve.
1: Yeah, this this limited mindset. I think we've all been conditioned for. It's great you're really trying to break down these walls, Christopher, and find a better world for all of us. So, mm-hmm. the whole man, you know. What are some of the the habits you found that are really, that help the whole man be more successful and and embrace this healthy masculinity? I have
0: five habits of the whole man that I identify in the book. Curiosity, awareness, presence, emotional health, and stay. And so the short version is that curiosity is really about being in the question, being willing to explore where you need to grow and change. Awareness is once you've got that curiosity going, you can understand and, and check in with where you are now and where you need to go. And then continually, as you're going along, making sure, am I making progress in the direction that I want? Presence is about slowing down and really being present in your life. Sometimes that's unplugging from your technology, but most importantly, it's about connecting with the people you're sharing this moment with. And I say this moment in particular, not being worried about what's going on tomorrow or yesterday or anything like that. Emotional health is about expanding our emotional bandwidth as men. And normalizing that we have to do our own work around emotional fitness, just like we tend to do a good job of taking care of our bodies so that emotional fitness and health is important too. And then the last habit is stay. And this one is knowing that the work of practicing the habits might be challenging. It's important to remember to stay and not shy away from the work. You have to be patient and know that the change won't happen overnight, but be willing to go through the work of doing it as you go.
1: Appreciate this very, I'm gonna call it a very practical and actionable roadmap you've created here. And also this idea around one, we we need to find a way to this healthy masculinity to have better relationships, live a more fulfilled life, but also know that it takes practice. It's not gonna happen overnight. We've been conditioned all these years, as you said, by all these different aspects of our lives to think this way or feel like we need to live a particular way. And it takes practice, like anything, a bit of a muscle to break out of it. What an awesome roadmap you put together here for folks. Thank you. Christopher, as you think about your own journey through the book, you know, books oftentimes are, writing a book is a journey of learning itself, not just an output as sometimes we get disillusioned about. How do you think the book has changed you? You know, what have you learned about yourself along the way? The biggest thing is that it's helped me
0: claim my own superpower, which is vulnerability. I call myself a vulnerability vanguard. It's also allowed me to be more present in my life and my relationships with people, which has been transformational. And the one where it's most impacted me is with my daughter. It's really helped me to think about how do I want to model what healthy masculinity can be so that she knows what it should be instead of some of the influences she may get from the media that I got tainted by as a boy growing up. I've also learned that it doesn't matter how my vulnerability is received by others. Initially, when I started doing it, I would sometimes shy away if it wasn't received well by other people in the space and especially by men. And what I recognize now in the process of writing the book is that everyone is on their own journey. And if someone has a negative reaction to my being vulnerable, it's actually not about me. So what I need to do is continue doing what I'm doing. And remember that there's a growing community of men who are standing up and doing this work too. And that's the other beautiful gift that I got from writing the book is I've connected with so many amazing men
1: and women who are supporting this and want to see more of this in the world. So when you run into someone else, I. I have found in life that vulnerability breeds vulnerability, but as you shared, there are examples where you maybe approach this with somebody and this very awkward circumstance comes about and you said, it's not about you, it's about them. So if I'm trying to exercise this vulnerability muscle, Christopher, and that happens to me, and I have this super awkward exchange, what? what how do I approach that? How do I think about that? The simplest thing is I tell
0: people is like, say in your own head, it's not about me because there are a lot, of, and it sounds a little bit punny, but- The fact of the matter is there are are a lot of men that haven't been given permission to feel safe in being more vulnerable and so when other people do it sometimes it's a little scary especially if they've been in that narrative all the time of i have to be this this specific type of man to be a man and so for them it may take multiple times for them to see it before they're willing to lean into it but what i tell people is you just keep doing you right so if you show a little bit of vulnerability it isn't well received don't let that stop you from
1: continuing to grow and progress on your own path. Sort of the opposite of the George Costanza, as I recall. It's not about you, it's about me. It's yeah. the opposite of this thing. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. I love that. So as you think about this journey and going through the book and having it out there or soon to be out there in the world now, spring, late spring 2022, Christopher, what's been an unexpected positive you found from this whole journey and writing your book? I think it's been the response that I got
0: from people as I shared that I was writing the book throughout the last year and change. I've had people from all walks of life, when I share it, that they're like, this is so needed. Thank you. I've had men reach out and thank me for being willing to write this, for putting a voice to these things that they've been feeling for themselves. And I've had women tell me that when they hear me talk about it, they look forward to sharing the book with their husbands or their spouses or brothers or even their fathers and sons. And that really has helped fuel me to finish the book and get it out in the world and reminded me that this work is needed and this conversation needs to continue happening.
1: So powerful to get that feedback and virtually in real time, right? As you're going about this and as anytime we create something, I think oftentimes you have the sense of imposter syndrome. Is anyone going to want to read this, right? (laughs) This whole thing. And here it is. You're getting feedback directly from men and women, which is fascinating and certainly a powerful reinforcement that you've got a message that's resonating out there. So thinking about that message, Christopher, what would you say, what is the key message of of the book here, The Whole Man? What, What would you like people to take away?
0: Yes, quite simply, we need to evolve as men and as a society in the way that we hold masculinity. We need to let go of this limiting and narrow view of what it means to be a man and embrace this both and approach. To be a whole man is to accept who we are and also grow
1: into who we need to become for humanity this isn't a story about men or women it's a story about humanity i really appreciate the aspiration there and these big goals you're setting for yourself in in the book Uh, what a powerful message to help i think so many out there And, you know, give men a a message because of course I think Brene Brown cornered the market on the female message here right now. You're, Mm -hmm. you're doing it for men. So thank you for bringing this message out.
0: Yeah. Well, Brene has definitely been a big pioneer in the field and actually one of the nicest compliments I got from somebody several months ago is they said, you're kind of like the male Brene Brown. And I said, I will take that. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) She might have better hair.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, most people (laughs) do than I, but you know, what can you say?
1: Speaking of, of, Big goals. Christopher, what's next for you? What's your big goal for 2022 and getting this book off the ground?
0: Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'm going to be signing a lot of copies of books for the people that supported my book during the presale campaign. And believe me, I'm not complaining about that. I'm happy to do it. So late May, I should have those and looking forward to that. And then beginning to do more speaking engagements around this message, which allows me to continue engaging people in the conversation on how we can help men feel safe and bringing more vulnerability and ultimately make a difference in the world.
1: What an incredible uh, message and goals you've set for yourself, and uh, a message I think that can help us unthink the what we've been trained for so many years here. Christopher, people want to learn more about you and your book, The Whole Man: Evolving Masculinity. Where where might they go?
0: Yeah, so there's a few places, and I do want to you know add one other thing. I want to remind people that vulnerability, as you said, breeds vulnerability, and vulnerability is core to connection and as humans we are hardwired for connection so to resist it resists actually being what we are as humans so to find out more they can go to wholemanjourney.com is a great starting point they can also check out the vulnerable man podcast in all the places you normally get your podcasts and also at vulnerable-man.com and then i'm also on linkedin and you'll know you found the right christopher veal because you'll see vulnerability vanguard under my name
1: I love the podcast you have out there. The book's coming out here, late spring, 2022. And you got this beautiful praise quote I wanted to share with our listeners here Mm -hmm. from Howie Cohen. Wanted to share that. Howie said, I love your approach. It is not an either or approach to masculinity. It's both. And I think this message is a very needed, strong and powerful message for men to hear and act on today. You must be willing to teach it to young men and boys too. Howie Cohen. How did you feel when you heard that?
0: It was pretty amazing. So he, how he's one of my beta readers. And he, when he sent that to me, I, it just kind of made me realize, okay, so I am pointing in the right direction. It was nice to hear it. How he's also spent a career in the military. And so he also shared some other thoughts about how it impacted him as a leader, you know, and his, his willingness to step into vulnerability. So it was, it's great to hear that men are receiving the message.
1: What a powerful message you have here, Christopher. Men thinking about masculinity in a new way, embracing a healthier masculinity, living better lives and relationships with our family and friends. Uh, Christopher Veal's book, The Whole New Man, Evolving Masculinity, will be available late this spring, 2022, wherever you buy books online. Christopher, great to see you. Thank you for sharing this message with the world. Thank you very much. I appreciate it being here, John. The pleasure is all mine. I'm your host of the Creator community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.